Hi, welcome back to Meta Minutes, your bite-sized pieces of the Metaverse. My name is Rene from Reply, and today we're going to talk about legal challenges and regulation for the Metaverse. And I'm very honored to have our special expert guest today, Claire Harrop. Hi, Claire, and welcome to the show. How are you today? Hi, Rene. Nice to see you. Well, awesome. Um, can you tell us a bit about yourself uh, and your background as it relates to, of course, the Metaverse, but also, of course, the legal background? Yeah, of course. Thank you. So my name is Claire Harrop. I'm a senior associate in the financial services regulatory team at Freshfields in London. Um, I'm also co-founder of the Freshfields Fintech Group, uh, which I co-founded about 10 years ago uh, based on an interest in crypto assets and also because I hold a master's in physics as well as being a lawyer. Um, so in terms of the metaverse, I've spent quite a lot of time recently um, over the last year to 18 months or so thinking about the metaverse and the intersection of law, particularly financial services and the metaverse and how it might change our world. That's exciting. I actually didn't know that you're also a physicist. So that's that's impressive. Well, let's dive into today's topic. Um, let's start with a simple but also complex question, which I usually ask to any client and uh, what is the metaverse for you and where do you see the potential and opportunities also in particular for your industry like legal and law firms you're, you're not wrong that that's simple but also complex um so for me the metaverse is the next stage of the internet and i think there are three key characteristics for me um so the first is that it's always on uh, it runs without you being there The second is that it's uh, persistent. So if I uh, drop a coffee cup in my virtual house, it stays broken. Um, and the third is that it's more immersive. Um, and I think that's you know, not necessarily through using headsets or through what we think of as VR or, or, or even um, just thinking about augmented reality, but it does feel like something that's a bit different than just pointing and clicking to my mind. Um, and obviously we see examples of this in the gaming world. Uh, so Second Life uh, being the age old example now um, and, and Fortnite and Roblox and, and all of the different uh, worlds. But it, it does feel like there's going to be something more than that coming down the tracks. Yeah. In terms of opportunities for law and law firms, so we already provide most of our sort of work and services at a distance and actually through uh, Teams calls and that sort of thing. Um, so where I see the real opportunities are in things like the types of work. I think the metaverse is going to throw up so many new legal issues that I think will cut across every single practice area in, in law and will have to be really carefully thought through. Yeah, that's a that's a very good point. Um, also, with the um, you know the the kind of persistence, that's an, a very important aspect, of course, of it. Um, but let's talk about the, um, uh, the the most of us know that you know not everything is is bright and shiny, and there are truly challenges also with the metaverse for interoperability, but also in terms of the the social and legal aspects. And I mean, if you if you look at certain metaverse platforms, I'm not going to name the platforms here, but and some of those. Uh, users get harassed, right? And they, uh, if you enter this Metaverse platform and the first thing you see on the plaza is like, if like there's a sign, if you need help, like reach out for the moderators, that kind of a thing, if you get harassed. And so it, it's always a bad sign, right? You come into this, this the first thing you see is like, oh, you, this potentially to get harassed. So this is a real problem that is that is happening. And um, also, of course, the, uh, the issue is everyone could be hidden behind an anonymous avatar. Right, like we don't know who that is. Um, so my question is, 
do you think we need better adapted laws and regulations to make the metaverse a safe place for everyone? I think I think that's a really good question, and I'm actually really pleased that people are thinking about this so early on in the development of the metaverse. I can certainly see a world where we do have some protections in place, and I can certainly see some worlds, especially those landing worlds or where you're in a world of work or a world of school, where safety features might be built in automatically. Um, so, for example, I think, um, you know, if I'm providing legal advice, um, I probably won't be giving that uh, behind an avatar that looks like a witch with blue flaming hair. But, you know, there may well be um, other cases where I don't want to be sort of fully anonymous either. But then equally, there may be places where that's totally fine and where I've chosen to go into those worlds um, and be totally open and be able to talk about you know, whatever I want. Um, but it feels like there needs to be sort of at least an element of choice in, in sort of what you're choosing to expose yourselves to. Um, I can also see some interaction perhaps with virtual identity, you know, maybe having age appropriate spaces based on EID. And I think for that to happen, there will need to be a sort of whole new world and a whole new set of regulations that sort of allow for that. Um, I mean, this is definitely a topic that legislators are already thinking about. Um, I think they've seen what's happened with uh, some of the big tech players and they're keen to avoid some of the issues around safety. Um, so I think safety really will be a big part of any legal and regulatory framework that's coming down the track. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, some of these platforms, like you're saying, they already have some kind of uh, like functionalities built in, like uh, you can enable this kind of safety bubble, which is like around you, like let's say one and a half meters something like this no one can approach you get close to you because like this you know some people might say well if you have a vr headset on you can always just take it off and then you're in the real world basically but like if you're fully immersed right you you actually don't feel like taking it off but you really feel connected and then like someone gets too close to you um like that's that's weird and um, that's that's great that certain platforms have these mechanics or roblox for example has the um what is it, a text moderation tool? Like uh, in Roblox, you can only um, send text chats. I think if you want to have audio conversations, you need to go through a certain certification process because of these bad people that are all over the place, right? Uh, but even for text messages, they have, I think, some AI-based text moderation tool that will then like filter out and you know see see certain things. And then in general, I think AI is, is could be an enabler for that in, in general. But with that, that come also challenges, like bias built in and so on. So any, any thoughts on that, especially in the times and age we live now with these huge large language models like ChatGPT and, and you know, also the, the, the things that are built in. Any, any thoughts on, on that technology? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I can totally see that um, sort of building in safety features early on will actually be really helpful and will help, I think, guide some of the legislators as well. You know, if they know what the art of the possible is, I think there's probably a real opportunity for the private sector to work with legislators and, and regulators around the world to sort of develop what is what is feasible and what is what is practical. I think. You know, I know, I know the point that you're making about, um, you know, people can just take off their headsets um, if if they really want to, um, but that almost feels like people are being would be forced to be kicked out of of spaces that that they're in, and that just doesn't feel like the right answer to me. It feels like maybe we can just almost treat it like you know the real world and and sort of just try and be reasonable, um, and especially I think I think there will be really real concerns, especially when haptics come in uh, into force more broadly. I can see that becoming a really big uh, point of, of concern. 
Um, on the AI front, I mean, this is something that regulators and legislators are grappling with right now, um, you know, around things like how do chatbots work and how how does that work, especially in the arena of things like financial services or the provision of insurance? I need to build algorithms without um, without sort of showing biases. I mean, you see some examples where insurance is run off AI and they change, you know, your insurance premium, depending on whether your name is Renee or whether it's Mohammed. And it's it's crazy that that sort of already managed to build itself in. Yeah, no, no, I fully, fully agree, and that's that's also a concern from, from that standpoint. Especially if you think about like these large language models, like GPT three, ChatGPT, um, Google's Bard that is coming up, and uh, I, I think Meta is also working on something called Lambda. Like these large models that basically have the knowledge of the whole internet learned, and then you can ask questions, and and some of those of, like some of the the, the facts that you would expect to get back or just hallucinations of that AI, right? And so these these are not factual knowledge bases and they sometimes make up stuff, which you might not actually notice if you're not an expert in the field, right? And so this is uh, quite dangerous, especially like you're saying, if it's if it's kind of a, a score, if it's useful kind of a scoring system for the user, right? Like what? Really, that's, that's not going to, like that needs to be regulated for sure. Like this is yeah. not, this is not ethical, right? Yeah, for sure. I think I think the ethics of AI will end up being a huge a huge focus of legislators and regulators. I, I just I can't see it not not being of interest. Um, I did see the um, the Bing uh, the Bing AI as Sydney, Sydney. And, and just even just see, you know it's kind of a comical sort of example of something that just sort of really spiraled out of control. But you can see that coming out in a sort of much more harmful way. Oh, um, yes. So I yeah. You know what they did now? I have access to the Bing chat thing. And so I was trying it out. And uh, well, the, the folks, when you're, when you're watching it or listening in, like this will be a few weeks after we recorded it. Uh, but basically um, what they added now to, to um, you know, counter, to prevent this kind of like this weird person, Sydney, inside of an AI that wants to trick you into something. What they did is they now have a, a little slider where you can say, Give me a very precise answer, or give me a creative one, and that kind of a thing, and they're dialing it down. So it's it's an it's a life experiment, right? It's kind of yeah. interesting. I mean, it's incredible. It almost feels a little bit like science fiction in some ways, but um, you know, the fact that you can kind of develop even that sort of slider shows the sort of level of control, which I think is going to be really of real interest to to legislators. Yeah, I think I think it's really really important. But what they also do, for example, what I like about Bing Chat in, in comparison to the pure Chat GPT, I mean, Bing Chat for full transparency is built on top of the same model. It's not exactly the same, but it's of course based on OpenAI's Chat GPT. Um, but what they what they build into Bing Chat, what I really like is it actually provides you the the sources. So if you ask a question or ask for something, and the answer you get back, you get little footnotes, like little numbers. And at the bottom, you get all the links where it pulled all of this information together. And so you actually get the references. That's, that's of course, much better because, like, what ChatGPT, where does it, I don't know, like, it might be from some weird blog or weird forum, right? Yeah, and so yeah. Wrong, wrong information. And so you get at least double-check, uh, fact-check it a little bit. Yeah, you can check the references. Yes, uh, but but let's talk about another aspect of the of the metaverse. Although, like I said, you know, this generative AI, um, we will also see a lot of that uh, applied for metaverse to actually make make the metaverse um, scalable. Um, 
like for example, the other day I just saw one. You have you enter a text prompt, like uh, build me a room with a, a table and six chairs and whatnot, and then you get like a metaverse platform that builds you this kind of virtual world for you. Like that's that's going to happen. We also have the first models, AI models for generative AI that can not only create images from a text prompt. Um, that's the news of last year. This year it's videos and 3D models. Like you can say, give me a 3D model of a dog with uh, brown hair. And then it gives you a 3D model that looks like this. And uh, we can we can just talk to it, right? So that will be a big enabler, but uh, will also be interesting from the regulatory standpoint because it's the Wild West at the moment. And uh, I think the society is not even prepared for what we already have in terms of the power and tooling, right? I think that's right. I definitely think that's right. Yeah. All right. Uh, like I said, let's talk about the web-free aspect of the Metaverse for a moment. And especially uh, when we talk about these decentralized platforms or the web-free based Metaverse platforms that are built with the promise of the blockchain, right? You can buy virtual assets like uh, some accessoire for your character, for your avatar, or virtual land, virtual real estate in, in various platforms that's possible, which is a transaction on the blockchain. So basically, you can sell you can buy and sell virtual goods. And uh, what could be, again, that's all based on the on the blockchain, which is, I think, and you, please correct me if I'm wrong, is, is not really regulated. But what legal implications do you see, especially there for also taxation, right? Ownership and, and that kind of a thing. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, you know, I think we could talk about this all day, to be honest. There are so many different um, legal issues and legal sort of areas of interest that, that should be considered when it comes to decentralization, just as a general matter. I mean, if we think about things like virtual real estate, that's obviously very different to owning real estate in, in the real world. Um, and kind of you think about what you really have, it's things like you have contractual rights, you don't have like actual property rights in, in the sort of, you know, you can't go to a land registry and check your ownership, you can go to someone, you know, a, a registry, but it won't have the same sorts of rights. Um, I think payments is a really interesting topic, because you've got decentralized payments, it is really a lot more like digital cash. Um, I think that's going to be really interesting when thinking about interoperability and going around different um, different worlds in the metaverse. Um, so thinking about, you know, if they if, if each world has its own coin, that's going to be an absolute nightmare, isn't it? Like, I'm going to have to go around and constantly checking, do I have enough Robux? I've got enough Axie Infinity Shards, but I don't have enough Robux. I only have like, you know, Bitcoin. It's going to be complete, complete chaos if it is down to sort of different um tokens and coins and i mean on that you'll end up with regulation of those service providers so things like the exchanges someone will be providing some form of exchange between different tokens or fiat currency and different tokens so we'll end up with with that there even if it is more decentralized um i think like taxation is also going to be really interesting as well because a lot of the time you do look at like what does um, that intermediary hold and know about it and you're relying on the reporting to the relevant tax authorities. But if we don't have banks in quite the same way, then how are we going to have that? We're going to be much more reliant on sort of self-reporting, which is going to be much more easy to get around. Um, so I think it's going to be, yeah, super, super interesting on the decentralized front. Yeah. And I mean, in, in general, like if you're doing transactions on the blockchain, like it's it's a public transaction in the end, right? I mean, you have certain blockchains that hide this, uh, but the mo most prominent one that are being used, you can actually like track down the transactions and all of this, right? So it's it's public, but I, I but the regulators are, are like 
are not up to date with that, right? So they don't know it yet, but I'm sure that will come at some point. And so folks always got to pay attention, right? Like pay your taxes properly because like these kind of transactions are on the blockchain forever. And so at some point, they were probably going to track it down, right? Yeah, yeah. I think law enforcement as well, not just tax authorities, but also law enforcement is going to be, you know, in some ways, it's going to be beneficial, right? It's easier to track a transaction through a blockchain than it is to track a suitcase of cash but that's then split up and spent in loads of places. So, you know, there are benefits as well, I suppose. But I would say that as a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's your lens for sure. The uh, yeah, I mean, the, the Web3 aspect with the, the decentralized ownership is is what I really like about it, the Web3 aspect, right? We, like, just for the sake of everyone here, Web1 is we could, like, we have the internet, you could consume, right? Like, you could only consume what platforms or other people offer. Web2 allowed us to give basically a right functionality. We could create content, but that is then still owned by the platforms, right? If I if I set up a, a blog on, on WordPress or I set up, uh, I don't know, like write content on Twitter or Facebook or LinkedIn, whatever, like it's, you wrote it, right? Like, but it's still like, technically it's stored on their servers, right? And uh, so ownership is a little bit challenging. And the web free aspect is really amazing because with the, with, thanks to the blockchain, we can actually track and um, kind of have a history of these ownership and also passing on the ownership and passing on the assets to other people. And that makes it much more, decentralized and democratic in the end uh, but again it comes with like challenges like resource constraints at the moment if you look at blockchains like what the kind of energy consumption is just ridiculous um, also very slow transactions uh, but again we're in the beginning and these things are, are getting solved as we speak um, and i think it's it's still it will take much longer than most people think uh, but it will be an, an important aspect of the new immersive internet is that we have these decentralized transactions and have these the ownership ensured and that kind of stuff. And I think at some point, of course, like regulators will catch up. And um, for example, the, the EU, the European, not the EU, the European Commission, the EC, has actually on agenda to look into the metaverse, right? And and part of, of that is, of course, you know, making like funding um, for, for European companies and, you know, ma making a push there so that it's not purely an, an Asian and American play where you have all the big players located, but also that Europe has some standing in there. Uh, but also from the other angle that, of course, there needs to be certain regulations and so on, right? Just hope they don't overregulate it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we also see actually quite a few um, sort of international and national regulators looking at decentralized finance in particular, because the move from our TradFi to decentralized finance, that will be again huge because generally regulators tend to regulate the providers of services. But if there's no obvious provider, then how do you regulate in, in quite the same way? It's, it's going to be incredibly difficult. So I think there's going to need to be a fundamental rethink as to how some of these laws and regulations apply. Yeah. Well, Claire, uh, thank you so much. We're already at the end of the show, but uh, we could talk for many more hours. It's, it's surely an interesting topic and it's an important topic um, because like otherwise, like we need, we need to have a safe place for everyone. Like I keep on saying, like otherwise this is going to fail and it's, it won't be for everyone, which is uh, well against, I would say the true vision, right? There's one metaverse and it's, it's accessible for everyone. And so we got to ensure that it's a safe place for everyone and there's not, not like used by bad actors and that kind of stuff. Anyhow, thank you so much, Claire, for your time. That was very much appreciated. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. What a great conversation. 
Well, and thanks everyone for joining us for Meta Minutes, your bite-sized pieces of the Metaverse. Uh, watch our blog, follow our social media channels, subscribe to our YouTube uh, to hear all about the next episodes. And of course, visit our website at reply.com to watch previous episodes in case you missed them. Take care and see you soon. Bye-bye.